This is Matthew chapter 13. I want to be reading verses 53 through 58. Hear now the word of the Lord. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me one more time. Lord, we have heard Your Word read. We pray now that You would prepare us to hear Your Word proclaimed. Let this be a time, God, where you teach us, where you guide us, where you direct us, where you reach into our hearts and into our lives and do something that will move us forward in the way that you would have us go. Let this be a time, God, where we are edified. But most importantly, God, let this be a time where you are glorified through our willingness to listen and especially through our willingness to respond. Thank you, God. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm going to give a little disclaimer before I start. Um, I'm going to talk about names here in a second. And so if you called me by the wrong name this morning, um, I promise this does not apply to you. (laughs) I will not be upset at you. You'll understand what I'm talking about in a second. Um, Because I was thinking about this as I looked at this passage. I was thinking about myself and thinking about um, it's not that complicated I tell you my name is Ricky, it it shouldn't be that complicated. And yet, there's a number of different names uh, that people call me when they have met me. Um, And there's some names they call me that I probably don't want to know about. But if if someone calls me Richard, which is my birth name, name my parents gave me, I'm actually a junior, my dad is, is Richard Sr. If someone calls me Richard, then that probably means that we have a business relationship. That's my doctor's office, or it's, it's the name on an order that I placed. Or, you know, it's, it's some kind of, of, you know, telemarketer calling me, looking for Richard. Hear that, or it's, it's my mom or dad, and they're mad at me. That, that's the other time that we hear Richard, usually with my middle name attached to that. Still, I'm almost 40 years old, and still, we, we still do that. Now, if somebody calls me Rick... That probably is an indication that they don't know me very well. Because Rick is what my dad goes by. My dad is a great guy. I love my dad, but, but that's not who I am. And so if somebody calls me Rick, a lot of times I get the impression that they're trying to kind of like buddy up to me. I've had that in the past, kind of like a used car salesman kind of feel to it. Like, like hey, buddy, let me, let me get in here with you. Like, you told me your name is Ricky, but I'm going to call you Rick because that sounds cooler. That sounds more personable sounds like I, I really know you better. And you know what that really does is I usually do this. 
Because, I mean, really, are you just too lazy to pronounce one letter? Like, what, what, what is that about? It bugs me. Don't do that. If you did that this morning, I will forgive you because you didn't know, okay? I don't think anybody did that. Now, if you call me Ricky, then okay, we can, we can have a relationship. We got a good place to start. Because that's the way I introduced myself. Yes, I was Ricky when I was a little kid. And when I got to be an adult, my parents thought that maybe I would want to be called something more grown-up sounding. But I said, no. That's who I am. It's what you called me when I was a kid. It's who I believe I am as a person. Yeah, maybe not everybody gets that sometimes. It sounds like a little kid name, but that's who I am. And so if you call me that, then that says something to me, and that means that you listened to me. If I told you my name is Ricky, and you're willing to call me Ricky, then okay, we got a good place to start, because that means you are at least willing to honor, at the beginning of our relationship, to honor that I am who I say I am. And you say, man, preacher, you are going on a long time about names. This is stupid. Um, that's Okay. Because I have a point, I promise. Because names speak to identity. What we call ourselves is part of who we are. In a lot of cases, when we meet somebody new, that's the very first thing that they learn about us. Is what we like to be called. What our name is. It helps them begin to understand who we are. And when I tell you my name, it helps you begin to understand who I am. Identity is incredibly important. But it's also incredibly tricky because one of the things that we do as human beings is we have a tendency maybe not always to listen to each other. <laughs> Got some, uh-oh. <laughs> and one of the things that we tend to do is we try and tell people that they can't be who they say they are or that we don't believe who their identity is. Um... It wasn't a proper sentence, but I hope you're following me. Look at this passage that we read in Matthew 13. I read this passage, and it just, it just jumped out at me because it's about Jesus, and it's about identity, and it's about people not taking Jesus' word <laughs> for who he said he was. You have Jesus, he's been going out and he's been preaching and teaching for a while now. We're about halfway through the book of Matthew at this point. And so he's been walking around the, the country doing all sorts of Jesus-y stuff, like, like healing people and casting out demons and preaching and teaching. And he built up credibility. People knew who he was. And he decides to go back home, back to his hometown for whatever reason. And he goes, as he usually does when he goes to a town, he goes to the synagogue, his, the place of worship for the Jewish people, his people. And because he was a rabbi, he's a teacher, that's, that's his thing. He goes there to teach. And he starts teaching and he starts preaching. And the people there at first are like, man, this guy's good. We like this guy. He has some good things to say. And then somebody in the crowd identifies him. Somebody who watched him when he was a little kid figures it out. Wait a second. Wait a second. That's that Jesus kid. Do you remember when he was running around here before? Isn't that Joseph's son? Isn't that Mary's son? Isn't, isn't his brothers and sisters? Don't we still know those people? That's the carpenter's son. Who does he think he is? Coming in here, trying to teach us. Who does he think he is trying to tell us all this business that he knows his scriptures and he knows what it is God wants us to hear? And this weird shift occurs 
that we don't really see too many other places in the gospel. This weird shift occurs in that the people are listening to Jesus and suddenly they decide that he is not who he says he is. Or at least they don't want to accept him for who he says he is. They say, Jesus, get back in that little box. (laughs) You can only be who we say you are and you're the little kid that we watched grow up so you have nothing to say to us. Which sounds ridiculous to us, right? Jesus Christ, Son of God, guy who knew his stuff, surely had stuff to teach these people, and they were not willing to listen just because they watched him grow up. Just because they thought they knew who he was, suddenly decided he had nothing to say to them. And y'all, the sad thing is, the last thing I read to you there, it says, and he only did a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Some scriptures, some of the translations will say he could only do as though he was limited by their disbelief. And I I don't know. You could talk your own personal theology about that. But whatever the case, we know these people missed out on a blessing because they thought they knew who Jesus was and they weren't willing to listen to him tell them who he really was. They missed out on a tremendous blessing. You know, I thought about that. And I thought about the way that we, in our lives, maybe experience similar things. Um, Depending on how old you are, you may have experienced this. If if you're younger, you may not have experienced this yet, but you will at some point. And that's not me being gloom and doom. That's just me being real with you. At some point in your life, you will have somebody look at you, if you have not already, and they will not be ready to accept whatever it is you bring to the table. Maybe you have a really great idea. Maybe you have a new way of understanding something. Maybe you've got this great gift and this ability that you want to offer, and for whatever reason, that person is not willing to see it or to accept it. Maybe that person has decided they think they know who you are. Maybe they know something you did. (laughs) And they can't get past that. One of the sad things about the way we interact with each other as human beings is that it makes us most comfortable when we can box somebody in. If I can label you and I can get an understanding on you, then I know how to treat you, right? If I can look at you and, and, okay, this is your job and this is where you're from and this is your skin color and this is your place in society, then, then I understand you and I know that this is the way I'm supposed to treat you. But we as human beings are a lot more complex than what we look like, right? Than what our job is, than where, we, where we're from. One of the most damaging things that we sometimes do to each other as human beings is that we try and limit each other by telling each other, you can't be this thing because I can't understand you being that thing. Now bear with me for a moment. I promise I'm getting somewhere with this. But the other night... um, I was putting my son, Ethan, to bed. Some of y'all met him last time I was here. He came with me, I believe. (laughs) Um, He's probably grown like five inches since you saw him last. Um, He's a big kid now. But 
he likes to play Xbox. He likes to play online, um, on the internet with his friends. He plays all sorts of games. And I try and monitor that and do the best I can and making sure he only plays with people that I know or that he knows and that will treat him with respect. But every now and then, he makes a poor decision and ends up playing with somebody that he doesn't know. Uh, and this happened the other day, um, and evidently whoever he was playing with said some pretty nasty things to him, as kids sometimes do online, or adults sometimes do online, uh, if you've been on Facebook. <laughs> oh, my. So they said some pretty nasty stuff to him, and he was pretty upset about it. And so I had to sit down and, and remind him, hey, this person has no idea who you are. They don't even know your name. They don't know anything about you. Yes, I get that their words hurt, but nothing that they say to you has any weight to it because they have no clue who you are. And they do not know the awesome kid that you are. We talked for a while and eventually he calmed down, but then he looked at me and he asked me a question that, that floored me. He said, Dad, are there still bullies at your age? Like, I'm ancient, so at some point you grow out of that, right? And man, I, it hit me because I'm like, okay, yeah, you just call me old. But, but beyond that, <laughs> beyond that, I had to be honest with them. And I said, yes, you do not ever grow out of having bullies in your life. And we, we use that word, and it sounds like a kid kind of word, like you expect a bully to be on a playground. But no matter how old we are, we will always deal with somebody, maybe multiple somebodies, who will treat us poorly just because of who they think we are. Maybe they don't like the way we look. Maybe they don't like the way we act. Maybe they don't like the job we have. Maybe they don't like where we're from. Again, these things that are part of our identity. Whatever reason, we will always deal with those kind of people. That is a part of life. And if we're not careful, those persons can convince us that who we are isn't good enough. That maybe we don't have anything to offer. That maybe we don't have good ideas, that maybe we don't have the abilities that we need. Maybe we should just sit down and be quiet and not be who God made us to be. But you know what? As, as much as we deal with other people that do that, I don't know about you, but the biggest enemy that I have in my life to being confident about who I am, the biggest enemy I have is right here. I'm not talking about a bald spot. I'm talking about my mind. I am my own worst enemy because of self-doubt. Because of fear. Because I have a memory of the time that I tried something and it didn't go well. Because I have that little voice that, that eats away at my self-confidence that says, maybe you aren't good enough. Maybe you don't know what you're talking about. Sometimes I will joke that the best thing about getting older is that I care less about what other people think about me. And some days that's true. 
but I don't know that I will ever get old enough to stop caring about what I think about myself. And I have found that if that is the only voice that I listen to, if the only voice that I listen to, if I get caught up on my own head and start listening to my doubts and fears, that it paralyzes me. I can't do my job. I can't do my job as a pastor. I can't do my job as a husband and as a father. I can't be who God made me to be if that is the only voice that I listen to is my own doubt and fear. And so I'm reminded, and I want to remind you today, that there is another voice that God calls us to listen to that is so much more important. And that's why I brought up Psalm 139 earlier. I'm not going to read the whole thing for you because it's kind of long. But I am going to read a couple verses to you from Psalm 139. Starts out, this is a Psalm of David. David did pretty good with writing Psalms. But he had his own problems too. David says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Some translations will say, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Maybe you've heard that version before. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. It's a beautiful, beautiful psalm. And I got to think that David wrote this as a reminder to himself. Because if you read the other psalms, we know that David did some great stuff, and we know that David did some pretty horrible stuff. David had some good reasons to feel confident about himself, and he had some great reasons to doubt himself and to paralyze himself with fear. And there's so many psalms where he's sitting there, and that's how he starts out, where he says, God, I am at the lowest point. God, I don't know where to go. God, I don't know how to move forward. God, why have you abandoned me? God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I like this, God? And then you have Psalm 139 where he is affirming. Where he, for a moment, has managed to get out of his own head, and he's managed to listen to the voice of God speaking to him, and maybe it's really quiet. But God's saying to him, no, David, there is so much more to you than your failures. No, David, there is so much more to you than the times that you messed up. Let me remind you, David. Let me remind you, church, that God saw us before we were born. That God saw us in our mother's wombs, looked at us and said, I love that person. I love you. I believe in you. I am invested in you. You are beautifully, you are fearfully, you are wonderfully made. A masterpiece of God. And God always sees you that way. It does not matter how much we have failed. It does not matter what our job is. It does not matter how many times we have fallen down. God always says, I am with you to pick you back up. Let's do this. You are my child. 
I believe in you. And you have something to offer. Ten years ago, I was supposed to be appointed to be an associate pastor at a large church. And I met that senior pastor I was supposed to work with, and, and I was very new in ministry at the time. Did not understand how our system works. Met this senior pastor, and I was excited. I was ready to go. And he looked me in the eye, and he said, who you are isn't good enough. I'm not kidding. That's what he said to me. And I said some things to him that I'm lucky I'm still a pastor. Because um, my district superintendent was like sitting right there. Um, who's my boss? We've been forgiven. But this guy looked me in the eye and he said, who you are isn't good enough. He looked me up on social media. He knew the things I liked to do. He knew the way that I looked. He knew about my family. And, and for whatever reason, he had decided in his mind, this is not somebody that I want to work with. It's been 10 years, and I'm still dealing with that. There are still days where I hear his voice in my head saying, who you are isn't good enough. And there are some days where I just want to curl up in a ball and say, you know what, that guy was right. And then there are some days where I remember the things I said back to him. <laughs> and I want to say him again. And then there are some days where I remind myself, that guy had no clue who I was. He thought he knew who I was. He, he thought by reading about me on the internet that he'd figured out who I was. He thought about just seeing me in person for five minutes. He thought he knew who I was. But you know what? He didn't know me. He had no clue what I was capable of. No clue the ways that God could use me to bless other people. No clue. And you know what? He and his church missed out on blessings because I wasn't a part of it. And you might say, man, you need to back up. That, that sounds a little arrogant right now. I promise, it's a little bit of a show. <laughs> but I say that to you in this moment. To remind you that the only one that truly knows you and what you are capable of is God. I wrote this sermon to be preached to college students. And so I wondered if it was even relevant to anybody outside of that age range. But I'm reminded each and every day, and each and every time I talk to another human being, that there is so much brokenness around us. That there is not a single person here today that does not need to be reminded. <laughs> You are beautifully, fearfully, wonderfully made. And you have something to offer this world that will be a blessing to others. I pray that you'll embrace that. I pray that you will embrace who God says you are. I pray that you will live joyfully and confidently. Can we pray? Good, because we're going to. Let's pray.
God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this church. I thank you for all the ways that it is a blessing to this community. I thank you, God, for all the people that are here and and for those that make up this body of Christ. And God, I have no idea what they've gone through. I, I don't know them like you do, obviously. But God, I do know that there are persons in this room that are hurting. I do know that there are persons in this room who have been told that they are not good enough. I know there are persons in this room who have been mistreated and mislabeled and have been boxed in, maybe even by themselves. God, as we remember that even your son had to deal with this, even you as God incarnate had to deal with people thinking they knew better than you did. Remind us today and every day that the only part of our identity that really, really matters and can never be taken away is that identity that you give us as our beloved children of you. God, you say you love us. May we start from that point and walk forward confidently knowing, God, that you created us beautifully to do something in this world. Help us, God, to live into that today and every day. Thank you. It is in Jesus' precious name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen.